Good evening, everybody. It's Tracy here with the Everybody Counts podcast. I'm joined by Pete, P.I. What's up, Pete? What's up? And my pal, Mike Martini, boss trivia guy. What's up, Mike? Oh, it's another great day today. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm glad everybody's doing well. We're excited to get through episode two of Bosch Legacy Season 2, because this is where we get to rescue Maddie. Are you guys ready to rescue Maddie? Was there ever <laughs> any doubt? <laughs> <laughs> but it hasn't happened yet. At the beginning of episode two, we opened with a desert shot, I believe. Is that right? With the scorpion? Yeah, falling into the thing. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Anybody well, ever sitting, encou- on a, sitting on a rock, I think. Yeah, the scorpion yeah. at the beginning, yeah, sitting mm-hmm. on a rock. Yeah, out there in the desert. So have any of you ever encountered a scorpion? No. No. Good. Okay. That's a good answer. All right. Have you? No, no. It's also okay. a good answer. Yeah. Thank goodness. No. <laughs> no. Okay. So and we take it there to underground where we see Maddie banging on the box, calling for help. She goes through several different sort of phases there. She's crying, but then she starts to slow her breathing. And I have to wonder if she's like knows that consciously she needs to slow her breathing and conserve, you know, like she's going through probably these quick stages of what's going on in her mind on what she needs to do to try to survive what's going on there. Do you, what do you guys think? I, I felt the same way because uh, I was thinking to myself, it's like, okay, now she's she's conscious of what's going on around mm-hmm. her. And you can kind of see it in her eyes a little bit where it's like, you know, okay, focus, try to calm yeah. down yeah, and conserve, like you said, conserve her energy and her breath mm-hmm. in, in general. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And then we switch back over. We know that Doc Weiler has turned himself in at the Hollywood police station and we see him in the in the holding room with his lawyer, who we learn his name is James Rafferty. And basically, I'd say Doc Waller, he just wants the world. He just wants immunity. Mm-hmm. And, you know, crazy as that sounds, that is what he is going for. So uh, Rafferty goes out in the hallway to talk to the DA and passes this along. And Mike, do you want to talk about the DA's reaction? Emmett Archer is, is the DA at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was not. Oh, what is it? What's the word I'm looking for? Caught off guard, I think, is the yeah. term I'm looking for. The DA thought Doc Weiler would just give up where Maddie's location is. Yeah, you know, but he's once when he finds out that no, he wants you know basically no charges against him for anything. You know, basically yeah. just to get off scot free. The DA was even shocked and said, "Well, if that's the case, everybody would be going out and kidnapping." police officers to get right. out of the no consequences it. yeah yeah what i thought was kind of cool about the uh, casting is the uh, guy who plays james rafferty is uh bruce davidson who was also just in season one of the lincoln lawyer yeah like, season mm-hmm. back too so but i mean yeah. he's, but he's been in a lot of stuff and speaking yes. of that speaking of that we didn't uh we didn't mention who wrote the episode and directed it but the writer of this episode is chris downey who also works on the Lincoln Lawyer. So perfect, oh, perfect okay. timing there. That made me think of that. So yeah, he's working um, some on both shows. And again, this episode, episode two, like one was directed by Sherat Raju. So definitely want to give a shout out to those guys for their their work on this episode. But yeah, yeah you're right. The, the, the DA is just completely blindsided. I don't think he could have imagined in a million years that that's what the, the you know, the offer he would come in with from his client. So do you want to kind of finish out what they talked about? Rafferty kind of just says, uh, well, the DA says that. Rafferty yeah. seems very confused. 
And Emmett Arch is like, what does he want? Like, we can do this, we can do this, but he can't get away with this. Right. He starts, naming, he starts going through all the years that it would add up to yeah. for all and then the he time. Said, and they said, we just want the officer back. And that's when Rafferty's like, don't you think I want that too? Yeah. 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 Like, the that's whole time, right. he just seems caught. Rafferty just seems caught off guard, confused, and has no business being here. I don't even think he's like that kind of attorney. He's probably yeah. like, he probably deals with like parking tickets somewhere upstate, you know? Like, come on. <laughs> he doesn't seem like he's equipped for this. It's not like it's Honey Chandler coming in to defend somebody for murder, you know? Right. He he yeah, he true. does not seem very confident in his in his position or yeah, he but he is being very polite because the DA starts name calling Dockweiler and he points he's, out you shouldn't do that, which is true. I mean, yes. Yep decorum there should be some sense of yeah. decorum but like the da's right he this guy is awful the worst they're all on the they're all on the same side against him but one person ha- happens to be getting paid to represent him so he has to you know play this both sides cool you know kind of cool but mm-hmm. no one's yeah. gonna like that guy for doing it like he could have said no i'm not defending you but somebody yeah. would have defended him eventually anyway right yeah uh, uh, yeah that is true everyone's entitled to an attorney that's right. yeah, no matter how bad it. yeah yeah, you get representation. That's right. That's right. The one note so, that I did write down was uh, Emmett wants Maddie's whereabouts known so Doc Weiler can at least die in prison. So oh. <laughs> they take the death penalty off the table if they, he gave up Maddie's whereabouts. Right. That He goes through all the, the years to each crime and it adds up to like more than a life sentence. And he's like, this is just crazy. Yeah. The best we can offer you is taking away, you know, the death penalty, you know. Yes. And, and that, so yeah. that's... Your okay. sentence is to die in prison, so it's just not not rapidly, not right, right. away. You right, know what I'm right. So then we shift out to isn't it Bosch and Edgar? Because Bosch talk- wants in that room. Yeah. So talk talk about what we see next outside, Pete, with with Bosch and Jay Edgar. Well, Bosch is pretty much like, okay, brother, okay, family member, okay, Maddie's <laughs> so important to you. Open that door. Let me go and do what I do, my army tricks from back in the day, and. Let me get this guy to, 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 you know, tell me what's going on. And mm-hmm. Jay Eggers says, you know, like, that's not going to work. You're just going to make, you know, you're going to you're going to mess this up one way or the other. You're going to mess this up for yourself, for your daughter or for or for him where mm-hmm. he's not going to get the proper. You know, they, they've been talking about this from the beginning. If Bosch keeps getting involved, they're not going to be able to do a proper case against him. and He's going to go free. Right. Right. Which which, you know, we're still early in the season. We don't know how this plays out. Mm-hmm. So what I'm saying is even if. You know, he ends up in jail. What right. happens if episode six or seven, he gets out on a technicality Ugh. because of what Bosch did or right. does or right. about yeah. to do? I mean, yeah, and that's yeah. where the rules definitely are important because, yeah, you don't want this thing to just get wiped out completely. But, yeah, so Jagger tries to talk him down and say, we can't we can't do that. And once again, he's talking about. You know, Harry's talking about he can't. Um, you know, he, this guy better not have done anything to her. And, and Jagger's like, you, you can't go there. You know, and he's like, I, I'm already there. You know, like you can't yeah. stop my mind from going to the, you know, the worst case scenario. So he's just, yeah, Harry's still really at his height of of concern for sure. At least he gives uh, Edgar something to think about too. Yeah, he told told him about the dirt and foxtail and and. In Doc Weiler's bath mat when he was going through the house and asks for the lab to test it for yeah, and he's Edgar to have the lab tested. And yeah, he says there has to be a reason too that he was washing his boots. Like there's something going on with yeah, his mm-hmm. you know whatever would be remaining on the rug and on his boots. So yeah, that does that does give him something to work with. And then 
back in the the room the attorney explains that they want proof of life but doc Waller's wanting to be in control of everything says no that they'll get that they'll get that after they make a deal like you know he's just not budging on anything and mm-hmm. but then he also points out that time is of the of the essence essence yes. <laughs> time is of the essence <laughs> you combine the two words that's funny Listen, I don't think he has anything to lose here. Well, that's true. That's a good point. You know, because if he if he doesn't give up, if, if they don't give him what he wants and, and Maddie dies, he gets a death penalty tomorrow anyway. Yeah. Right now, yeah. he's looking at the, the death penalty tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. They just offered him extended life, which is probably worse than the death penalty tomorrow. Okay. Yes. So, yeah, we're just not really getting anywhere with that. We switch back to Maddie and she's, there's a water bottle there, so she's uh, sniffing it. Of course, to try to see if there's anything obvious that's uh you know bad about it, but she goes ahead and, and drinks it, starts to calm down. Would you have partaken of the water? Most you were likely, in the situation? yes. <laughs> a survival in instinct, you yeah. have to, yeah. You have it's to survival well, instinct, and that's what I was thinking too. I mean, you have to. You really don't have a choice because if you don't, you're gonna you know dehydrate so fast, and you know, mm-hmm. it, so it's gonna be one or the other, you know. So yeah, you have to kind of take that risk. And she just didn't smell anything obvious she i mean and let's also not forget you know let's get gross for a moment if you don't know how long you're gonna be in there for if you run out of water you need that bottle so you can pee in it so you can drink your pee to survive a couple more days right i mean seriously people this is survival instincts you're you're in a coffin i i think though because you're a dude that makes more sense than if you're a woman yes but she's way more equipped for this than i am she knew like how to breathe and, and right listen her first instinct like mike said was okay let me let me calm down let me catch my breathing let me see where i'm at let me think i would have been crying kicking i would have had a panic attack passed out for hours woke up i would have smashed the water i would have ruined myself i would have been dead in like hours that's all i'm saying <laughs> yeah right no, she's I, equipped for this all of us i think i mean well i can't speak for you mike but yes for me as well so oh i probably would have done the same thing yeah. <laughs> okay, so we all we all agree on that. And she spots something on the ceiling, which which looks like a camera. So mm-hmm. um, this is getting uh, more and more crazy inside this box. So Crate and Barrel are outside the station, and Harry talks to them. Right, he wants them to follow the attorney. Yeah, they wanted them wanted to track Rafferty to where he was going after leaving the station. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Crate and Barrel are outside the station, and they are going to be following this James Rafferty. And they do have, they've got their typical Crate and Barrel comedy going on, because they're kind of teasing about his his photo. The guy's oh, yeah. photo isn't much old, like 20 years old or something, or 30 years old, 20 pounds uh, lighter photo. Uh, but they're glad that that is not their situation, because they're so good looking, you know. So, yeah, so Harry ends up at Moe's apartment and not a lot of great news from Moe. He said, you know, there's no birth certificate. There's just nothing on this guy. The The cloud was backed up, I guess, but a lot of the searches were wiped up except for their searches about rohypnol and um, ketamine. So, and then where does the 300 mile radius come from? Uh, it was from the hours that the search history for the sedatives that would knock somebody out four to six hours. So they oh, right, right. Yeah. a 300 mile yeah. radius in that four to six hours. That's how hour far window. they could have, he could have driven her. So he's like, yeah, he took her by, you know, car, by vehicle. And so it could be a 300 mile 
radius. Unless he drove her halfway and then gave her another dose, and that was good for another four to six hours, and then it would be a 450-mile radius. Yeah. I'm just saying. Which he did stop and give her another dose of something. We know that. Yeah, so, so. so yeah, but that's what they're that's what they're starting with. That's their their starting point. But then all of a sudden this um cloud search triggers a video link and there is an alert about Maddie and um a red light camera and you see Maddie and immediately you know Bosch is like figure out where the signal's coming from, you gotta figure it out. But nope, it's dark web. So mm-hmm. yeah, pretty scary. So that's that's not gonna happen. And then we switch back to the station and everybody's, you know, seeing this video because it's been out sent out to like law enforcement and media, I think. Yep. And Honey is watching it. She sees, she calls Harry, you know, concerned. Jerry's watching it. Edgar tells uh, Captain, tells his captain that the uh, Doc Wilder probably released the video to ratchet, uh, ratchet up the pressure on Archer to give in to his demands. Right, right. And then the the captain, who's not giving me great vibes, uh, mentions that, well, we don't even know if she's alive. And Jerry shuts that down really quickly mm-hmm. and says she's, you know, she's alive until we know otherwise. Um, yep. And Jerry calls Harry and says he's got the results from actually have bathroom written down like a, a typo results from the bathroom. Jerry calls results Harry- from the bathroom. Not so good. <laughs> <laughs> What's the essence of that? That's a um, lot of shit. <laughs> that's a lot. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Jerry calls Harry uh, and says he has results from the lab. And so, you know, to that he wants to tell him, but Harry's outside in the car outside of the station and he puts on his, his, one of his alternative voices and claims to be RHD detective Baston, which we know is a little nod to executive Henry. producer Henrik yes. Baston. So that's always fun when they put those little, little Easter egg kind of things in there. But yeah, he really plays up the I'm RHD, you're a, you're a, you know, working in the, the front desk of the station talking to this guy telling him that he needs Dockweiler to be moved back out um that he has to swab him again and then he follows an ambulance into the gate and then eventually he he will get inside but we do shift back to Maddie in the the makeshift coffin and she is able to use her underwire from her bra to unlock one of the cuffs so now her hands mm-hmm. are separated so she's free from having her, you know, hands together there. She gets one of them, uh, you know, open with that wire. So she gets that that hand free. And we shift back to Harry using Maddie's ID to get inside. And I'm sure one of you gentlemen, just knowing you guys, would like to talk about this scene with Harry in the room with Doc Weiler. All right, Bosch oh, Trudy guy, get into this yes. scene. This scene was... Yeah, so Bosch gets into the into Hollywood station and he's dressed like a detective again. You know, he's wearing a sport coat. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so he still fil- fits in, but I mean, he's still yeah, trying he can to, blend in. Yeah, he can blend in pretty good. I mean, he d- does see a couple of people that were kind of in the hallway, so he kind of turned his head a little bit just to make sure. Yeah, you know, if they recognize him, type of thing. But uh, yeah, he gets into the uh, holding room, interview room where. Uh, yeah, he goes a little crazy on Doc <laughs> Weiler, and um, uh, what I can't remember exactly. I think he like pushes his arm up into his chest, puts Doc Weiler against the wall, 
And then he's got the pen. Like, yep. I don't know where the pen came from, jacket or something. Probably from the jacket. But the and, but the interesting thing is that Doc Wilder's not even looking up when he comes oh, in. That's like right. he that's loses right. any time he had to re- react or defend himself because he's looking down, you know, making some snide yep. remark. You Snide know, remark and, saying like you're wasting your time here. Yeah, type of thing. and that lets Bosch and, really get the jump on him. Yeah. Yep. And then uh, what is it? Doc Wilder says to him, "It's like, you know, oh, what is it like? I, I, the way you cleared the room or cleared every room in my house, you know, and and you still couldn't find me." And uh, Bosch uses the throwback line, "Well, I found you now, shit bird." Oh yeah, that's <laughs> always a good one. Yeah. And then, has the pen, threatens to st- uh, stab Doc Wilder. Well, he tells Doc Wilder he's got two chances to give him the right answer or where, where Maddie's whereabouts are, basically saying that if mm-hmm. he wants to keep any of his eyeballs, you know, he better start right. talking where Maddie is. Um, Edgar steps in, sees what Bosch is doing, and tells him that he wouldn't be able to help her f- or help find her from a jail cell. Bosch reluctantly backs off. I think I put that underlined if I could. Yeah, and little... Edgar kind of Edgar kind of rushes him out of the room and tries to get him out of the station before anybody else he hears or sees what's going on. Yeah, he's trying to cover for him. Yeah. Yep. And at one point, just before Bosch leaves, he asks Edgar about the lab reports, and Edgar tells him tells him about the foxtail that was found was high levels of sodium chloride, which is salt, along with three other elements, which meant it was. Uh, somewhere in the desert the mm-hmm. dirt was somewhere from a desert somewhere yeah so that narrows their so, their focus a little bit and i mean this is this has to be the craziest i think any of us have seen bosh even when eleanor and maddie were taken back in season two uh-huh yeah he goes i mean he goes into investigative mode but this is about the craziest i think we've seen bosh yeah uh, the, yeah in the 10 years that we've had content can I go out on a limb here and even say this is the stupidest we've seen, Bosch? Probably. Because you can, yeah, he's a little bit unhinged, right? Because I mean, I've been predicting it now for a couple episodes. I believe that this might be the moment, which later on gets Orville Red and Vodka off and mm. out in the open. Mm-hmm. Because you know what Bosch did was illegal, and all it takes is for somebody with that some somebody with some competence to put it together and be like, "Hey, wait, look at this." Plus, you know. It's Bosch. So yeah. it's like, oh, Bosch is a good citizen. Let's give him the benefit of the doubt. He ain't getting that. And to do something like this is crazy. On top of that, you went in there. A, is someone attempted murder. B, even if you would have went in and murdered the guy, he, you still would not have known where your daughter was. And now you would have been in jail yeah. for murder. So anything yeah. you did in that move was a fault, was a bad move. Well, I was just thinking about as we were talking, he's got two chances. But if he were to use those two chances, then we wouldn't know anything still about where it was too much to lose here and for him to go off the grid loose cannon style on something so important it scares me (laughs) it does it is scary and i think that's what it makes the the audience stressed out because you're like this is not the way to do it you're we're kind of like the jay edgar you can't can't go this route this is not going to work this can make things worse and we understand why because you're so emotionally invested, you cannot think clearly. Like he's trying to be this great investigator and trying to be clever and work smart. But I mean, how smart can you work when you're that emotionally, you know, invested? But but thankfully, you know, Edgar did uh, intercede and um, did get him out of there. And then what I was thinking about in this next part is that even though the the the, the subject matter of this episode, you know, the is so serious. We they mm-hmm. still managed to put a little bit of humor in there. 
Yes, I was about to. I was thinking that same wavelength that you get. A, yeah. Get the serious, serious scene. Nah. You know, you, you don't know how crazy it's gonna get, and then yeah. you get Mank. Yeah. Know, Go ahead. Talk about hallways, it. Wandering the hallways, hearing or you know, asking another officer, "You hear that, right?" And yeah, they hear Doc Weiler screaming from the holding room. Uh, so Mank opens the door, and Doc Weiler's yelling <laughs> that Fox was just in there and tried to kill him by poking his eyes out. And then Edgar steps in and makes like, what? What's he talking about? And Edgar's like, I don't know. He must be off his meds, you know. Yeah, never I happened. Just, oh, yeah, it never happened. I have no idea what this guy's <laughs> talking about. Yeah, so and that was that like, was okay. Back there to was still you go. <laughs> there was humor there, and that was, but that was also pretty smooth by Jay Edgar to cover that mm -hmm. way, you know, and just because like it, it, he almost like and Mank knows him anyway, so whether Mank believed it or not, he was going to go with what what Jay yeah. Edgar said. Well, isn't there any cameras inside Hollywood Station? I mean, that they could <laughs> look back on. I mean, seriously. I mean, by the time they get to the cameras, <laughs> hopefully we'll have this all resolved. But yeah, that's a good question. There is cameras, and they will be brought to surface when they release this guy into the into the wild and free. I'm telling you, no one's listening to me. It's coming. Prediction. So I think Harry talks to Mo about, you know, trying to, is there any information on this lawyer, but he doesn't really have anything, no big glaring issues. And, but he said, you know, this is honey's territory. So, you know, send whatever you have on this lawyer to her and they're going to, you know, try to get to, you know, find out what they can about him to try to help um, solve this. But you see Harry just watching the video from the car and, you know, you almost you just have to wonder what is what's going through his mind as he does that. Does he sit in there thinking, "Yeah, I, what I just did was stupid"? <laughs> you know, this I've got to oh. I got to be smart <laughs> to save my daughter. She's she's here. We see her on this camera. She's like, you know, locked away somewhere. Or or is he just is he just taking a breath? You know, I don't know. But we we see everyone else in the station watching the the footage too, and uh, Reina Vasquez. Maddie's, you know, training officer is is very uh, frustrated, uh, as you would imagine, that she she wants to be doing something to help, you know, and uh, likewise, uh, Rico Suave wants to help too, but he's like, "What can we do? We're on the, you know, we're on the clock," and she's like, "I'm not." I hate him. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with Pete. It's like he's supposed to be his her boyfriend, yeah, type thing, and he's like, "Well, what can we do? We're on the clock." <laughs> God. Another strike for one of Maddie's boyfriends. <laughs> Only one man will ever be good enough for Maddie. And that was Tom. Tom. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Pete always sticks with Tom. Hey, maybe yeah, maybe he'll come back into the into the He's uh, gone. He's gone, Tracy. He's gone. Just forget it. Okay. So you know, she... one of the one of the notes I wrote down about Vasquez is that she was antsy and because she's off the clock. What I put down was uh, she wants to get off her ass and go knock on doors, get exactly. some, you know, get some stuff going on, or gets get exactly. something. Yes, she fits out, in. So she heads out of the station. She fits in with the with the Bosch family <laughs> it mentality. Me of, it reminds me of Billy Madison when he's like, "You get off your butt and you find that dog." <laughs> <laughs> oh Great man! Great movie, by the way. Great movie. So, so, so she's gonna she's gonna get to work on something. She's gonna do uh, what she can while Rico Suave is still on the clock. But mm -hmm. uh, we shift back to Maddie for a while. She's crying out again. She's sweating. She's having trouble breathing. And she starts having flashbacks in her mind to when they stopped in the truck and when she was able to look out of the body bag, you know, briefly. And then he injects her again. But we see her 
see an air jet fly over and that's when she rolls over to the side and tries to start scratching something with the handcuffs and so we see mo it's uh at uh he's at harry's office right that yeah, point of the, yeah and and Raina comes in because she wants to help and mo says yeah she's been turned over for a while i think she's crying but you know Raina can tell and she knows maddie she's like she's not crying she's working on something so we can tell i think we can all agree that she's trying to probably get some kind of message carved into the the wood there so that she can try to help them figure out where she hopefully is hopefully it's not just help yeah <laughs> no, we, don't, we don't need sos yeah. or help or, or 911 you know yeah good point mike good point but then we, we shift over to trying to check out this lawyer and and see what we can find out uh, she's seen the file from Mo, and turns out he's like a child welfare lawyer, and he's not even from this county. Yeah, because he didn't even remember. He didn't even recognize the DA. He didn't. Even yeah, he's not equipped for this. Mm-hmm. This is over here working on like yeah. He didn't even know the Los Angeles County District Attorney. So you know, yeah, he's not from around here, as they they would say. And they're trying to figure out, you know, what's the connection. But uh, Crate and Barrel are going to be uh, following him. So, you know, those guys, they'll, they'll get to the bottom of it. But uh, Maddie rolls over. She's been carving something. But then that dang scorpion gets through the pipe. So then we're stressed about that. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we shift gears and Harry arrives and they can, we see EDW carved into the, the wood. That's what she's been working on. And so Harry figures out that that must, that that's the call sign or whatever for Edwards Air Force Base. Hmm. So smart work by Maddie. Smart mm-hmm. uh, work. I by thought it Bush. meant. I thought it meant Rico. It's over. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I, I was excited for a second. I'm breaking up with you. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! But Maddie, uh, we shift back to the box. She feels something, and uh, the scorpions there. Who wants to talk about the the scorpion? I, I will for a second, but not about the scorpion. I want to bring up my opinion in general. Okay. Like, yo, you got the girl in a coffin, right? She can't move. She's handcuffed. She barely got water. We don't even know if it's poison or not, right? Yeah. Well, the, the episode is, is already built up enough. We're already stressed out enough. Yeah. Why, <laughs> add, why add a scorpion? Like, seriously, are you just trying to zass me now? Like, are you just trying to rib me the whole time? Like, you don't have, you don't have to add the scorpion to the equation, okay? I don't need any more stress on top of that. How about she's just in a coffin that's scorpious in the yeah. desert, that's a scorpionless <laughs> desert, you know? Like... It has to be a giant and the biggest scorpion ever. I watched Survivor Man show, by the way, and he's eating scorpions, and they were never that big. Yeah, that I'm a, yeah I, I I don't know scorpions very well, thankfully, and I so I don't know this is the size. So that's a big one, huh? That's a big. I mean, one. what like I saw, yeah, scorpion. it looked like a yeah. big one. I mean, yeah. I'm surprised <laughs> it didn't get stuck coming down the pipe, and I. You know, that would have been ironic if the scorpion was so fat that it clogged the air pipe, and Maddie died from air. <sighs> Imagine stuck in there. I know, I know, no, yeah. That oh my gosh. And no, let me tell you something. Like... Redenbach is lucky because if that scorpion would have bit her and she wasn't loose and wasn't able to get out of it, what she does, uh-huh, and she would have died from that live oh. on camera, Bosch yeah. would have went back into that room and finished the job with the pen. Just yeah. saying. No doubt. No, no <laughs> doubt. And just in case you're turning in, tuning in for the first time on our podcast, Redenbacher, as in Orville Redenbacher, <laughs> is what Pete calls Dockweiler because it's such a na- weird name that we're not used to. And he just has coined him as Redenbacher. So that's who he's talking about. And yes, Bosch would, would surely go in and finish the job. So 
who wants to talk through how how Maddie deals with the scorpion? I'll I'll do it since okay. Pete's so kind of on edge there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, the one thing I wrote down is like, who wrote this episode? The guy from Fear Factor or something like that. So if he brings up Survivor earlier, yeah, I'm thinking more Fear Factor-ish, you know, where it's like, oh, we already have a person in a box. Let's put, you know, all these bugs in there with her. So yeah. she hears something in the box with her, discovers the scorpions crawling up her leg. And then her and it's crawling up her arm at one point and mm -hmm. cross, starts crossing her chest. And I'm just like... <sighs> I just got the heebie-jeebies watching yeah. this watching this scene. I mean, I felt like, I mean, even like if a hair was standing up on my arm, I'd be like, oh, is that a scorpion? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> now, every time so, we feel something, we think it's a scorpion. Yeah, every time. I mean, it's like that. I mean, if you see a fly buzzing around, all of a sudden you, see, you, you get a hair on your chin that just moves the wrong way. It's like, you oh, think that's it's a the fly. fly. Yeah. Or a mosquito or whatever. But, uh, yeah, she's uh, thankfully she's able to take out the scorpion by... Punching it into the floor. not ground, but the, the, the floor the, of the yeah with the handcuffs. So thankfully, she's able to take out the scorpion. But in the process, she winds up kicking the pipe that was also supplying the air into the box for her. Yes. So and then wind. is that when the sand starts but, coming in? Some yeah, yeah, a little bit of sand into the box too. Yeah, yeah. So. But I I just think about how. She's she's laying flat, and she's got very little space to move. And how fast mm -hmm. she had to be, and how accurate she had to be. She had one shot at that scorpion, yes. you know. She nailed Absolutely. it. So thank goodness. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree with the whole fear factor. That was a lot. But we're going to talk at the end of the episode. We're going to be talking with Tom Bernardo, and I know he has some great stuff to share about this whole idea of this whole filming Maddie in this box, and 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 how Madison Lentz did with it. So definitely stay tuned for that you'll you'll learn a lot of cool stuff so we we shift over to the hotel and crate and barrel are there watching uh this guy's at the bar drinking james rafferty uh the attorney and this gives bosch time to sneak up into his hotel room and he's going to be searching around and then honey comes and talks to rafferty right yep uh, she goes to talk to Rafferty, kind of give Bosch time to search his room. Yeah. Because I think uh, I think Mo helped him out earlier by giving him the key card. So yeah, he got, got a key, key card, card from it. Yeah. He, like, oh, yeah, yeah. There you the go. Credit to Mo for that. Yeah. Yeah. So he's yeah. It's all a big elaborate ruse. You got Creighton Barrel watching from the top. Moe's on the mm -hmm. outside. You got mm -hmm. Bosch coming inside, has Rafferty. You have Honey Chandler distracted him, also trying to squeeze answers out of him any way yeah. she can to feel him out. Yeah. It's yeah. But it's all illegal. Yeah, yeah. Let's not forget this, people. This is all illegal. I'm just saying. Talking to him is not illegal. Good thing Bosch is no longer in law enforcement. So I'm just saying now he's just a vigilante for good. You know, like we start calling him like Batman. How how is surveillance illegal? Crate and Barrel are watching. Talking's not illegal. She's talking to him. The key but card illegal, is illegal. Illegal search. Illegal yeah. Search. Illegal search yeah. and the key no, card. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, breaking and entering. Yeah, okay, yes, I'll give you that. Keep in mind what Bosch told Edgar in episode one. He's, Edgar's, you know, confined to these rules that he has. He's to not, yeah. Yeah, he doesn't have to, con con uh, what is it, convert to the rules. But you're so. right in the fact that we have all these players trying to make this search happen. It's kind of like an Ocean's Eleven mm -hmm. thing going on vibe there. 
but he's he's searching through the um, hotel room and he comes across some documents. We see there was a name change from Adam yep. Kyle White, Adam Kyle White to Kurt Dockweiler, aka Redenbacher. Um, so it looks like he was adopted. There's an art an article, like a newspaper article about the Order of Tranquility cult. Mm. And the cult, I guess, was in the desert, which we're looking for desert near near Mojave. Honey calls Harry and Rafferty is coming up. So he's very short on time and Rafferty gets in before Harry gets out and Harry's under the bed. But then I guess after all that drinking at the bar, Rafferty has to use the bathroom and Harry slips out. So that is a it's a Bosch and Bosch legacy famous thing ever. For some reason, whenever people enter the house, they always either run a shower or go into the bathroom. Something to do with the restroom. <laughs> yeah. And mostly or or if it's not the restroom, it's they open a beer while they run the shower, which is what Maddie does all the time. That's true. That's it's like true. her thing. She like comes in, pops the beer, pops puts on it. the shower. And I'm like, mm-hmm. are you drinking that beer in the shower? <laughs> like, cause, yeah, really? you know, like you're either wasting water or you're drinking in the shower. Yeah. Or you're taking a very quick shower so you get back to your yeah. beer because you have a, you know, your, your turnaround and your shift is in four hours because like yeah. officers have a really rough schedule. So I understand. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So they, I guess Mo and who all talks about the, uh, what, Harry finds out. Is he talking with Honey and Mo or just Mo? Yeah, I think they're uh they got I think they have Mo on the phone in the vehicle and mm-hmm. Honey's in the vehicle with Bosch at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. He's telling him all the information that he found up in there that is this it? place is called Zizix. The Zizix, yep. Yeah. That's where the cult was, right? Yep. Where he was he was uh growing up and then he went into foster care. So yeah, ZZYZX, Zizix. Well, they also needed a place where you get some sort of power and I believe Wi-Fi. So that's how they were yeah. able to narrow it down, not so far into the desert. Like Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that yeah. I did they... like the uh I did like the line that Honey says when they're driving or when, when he's in the ride in the vehicle with Bosch is that uh if it was up to her, she would want Doc Wilder strung up by his effing balls. So. Yeah, that was pretty clear cut. Yeah. 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 Um, it sounds painful. I think that's the well, idea, man. Kind of, of reminded me of the, uh, <laughs> of the Trace Billets line in season seven. Oh yeah, the, yes. The, uh, the pictures of fish hooks. online. Yeah, fish hooks. I want them hung up by their scrotums <laughs> with fish hooks. And you get man kind of going like, Ew. yeah. <laughs> the the we, we need her Bosch. back. Yeah, we do. Yes, yes definitely. I. Definitely. I was watching. I was watching everybody else Raymond the other day on the episode she was on, and I was like, "Oh, I haven't seen her on Boss." I was like, "She needs to come oh. back." Yes, she really does. She's I, also, I, on, on another show that's airing now too on NBC with uh, uh, the Irrational. Yeah, that's it. With is Jesse it a guest Martin. spot? Is it a guest spot? I think or it's a is guest it? Spot. I think somebody said on on Facebook it was just like a one and done episode. Oh, one and done. Okay. Sure. Okay. Yeah. I haven't seen the episodes yet because I've just been busy with everything. All right. Here. But, it, yeah, it was nice to see her pop up on those promos. Well, Mr. Sure. Connolly, if you're listening, we would like <laughs> yeah. maybe Billis to make an appearance for, like, the next season where, like, how she's, like, telling Boss some information he needs to help him with stuff. Like, you know, 
you know, not so, you know, very legal stuff, but just, you know, off the grid. Oh, yeah, yeah. Give him some legal yeah, advice that's not illegal. Yeah, yeah there you help go. Help him out a little bit. Yeah, work with him on a case, maybe. We would love to see her again, for sure. So they've narrowed this Zizix area down uh, to like probably a three square mile radius that they'll need yep. to search. And Bosch just doesn't know if he can get there in time. But Honey thinks she can help with that. And yes, she can. She gets a chopper. Get, get to the chopper. To the chopper. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, they get on this helicopter and and uh, she's going with him. She's not she's not yep. sending him alone. She she wants to help. And uh, we we shift back to Maddie. She's she's you know she's losing hair, hair. Oh my god! Damn, how long has she been in the ground for? <laughs> oh, she's losing her hair. Oh my god! This, this it's is like awesome. crazy losing his, losing her mind a little bit today. Maddie sure. losing hair. <laughs> <laughs> Maddie is losing air in there. She's got kind of a weak cry. You know, you you can tell it's it's getting it's getting close. You know. Very, very, uh, very close here. Harry, uh, they they arrive to this Zizek's Zizek's place, and he wants the chopper to you know to be in the air searching. And they start going through all the the buildings and searching for power cords and or anything that kind of can kind of direct them to 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 where they can find her. But we do get a scene back at the station with Jerry and and Dockweiler and the. Is it does Doc Weiler say he says that the DA will have to act soon? Like it's getting really close. The hourglass thing. Yeah, he mentions the hourglass, but I, I have on here that Edgar was just kind of playing up to his ego, saying that people who wind yeah. up in the in the room aren't exactly criminal masterminds. Game respects game, and that right. Doc Weiler has been two steps ahead of him the whole time. Yeah, trying to back into a corner type of yeah, thing. Yeah, he's trying to stroke yep. his ego a little bit to to use that to hopefully get you know information and and he does he does that hourglass thing and mm -hmm. um is edgar able to reach harry i'm trying to remember and tell yes. him that yeah he tells him something similar yeah. about the hourglass that so Bosch knows he's like on a on a pitch count i call it like yeah. you, you know you're running out of time here buddy <laughs> right mm -hmm. but does he call him while he's in the desert while harry's already there i'm trying to remember the timing yeah because I think it was after or like that's right because they're certain to... they don't know she's underground yet that's right yes because yeah. they're, they're calling her name out in the buildings yeah, they're and searching all that. through the buildings yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah they don't know where she is and that's when um bosh uses his binoculars to see the grid mm -hmm. right and right. sees the pipe they, sticking out of the ground that's because yeah. edrick called them and they kind of put it together with the hourglass and the sands that she must be buried out there exactly like i keep it's hard to remember sometimes that we know things as the audience and then you have to remember well, it was also hard to understand that because to me, like, how does the hourglass reference reference how much time she has? Because she didn't have an oxygen tank, right? Well, we know that I don't that sand was coming through the pipe. And that's what I'm saying. But did but did he know that at a certain time at six PM the wind blows the sand over and it's gonna cover the pipe and that's gonna cut her breath off? Was that was that his end game? Like, oh you got the six PM else the sand is gonna cover her hair and she's dead. Like or I don't know what the reference was, yeah. Yeah, that's what that's why I was confused. Because... Yeah, maybe just because sand runs down and it, it buries something. That's what I thought yeah. too. Like sand's gonna yeah. clog the thing, and that's what made Bosch look for the sand. And as he looked into the sand, he saw the pipe, and then put it together, and was yeah. able to go get her. My whole thing was is that it, you know how did you know Doc know to to use that reference and why? That was yeah. you know kind of confusing to me. Yeah, mm -hmm. I probably the only thing I 
I think because she was she was buried in the desert has sand so the sands through the hourglass it all made sense at the end i'm just saying like when i'm watching it live before i see bosh what he's finding and how i'm just wondering like how is this going to help him find the like what do you mean hourglass does he have 60 minutes left and then she you know like is there an oxygen tank like what's going on here she got a limited amount of time to survive probably in that box anyway before like because she's going to get weaker and weaker even if there is still a little bit of oxygen well that's what i was saying and that's what I mean. Like in the desert, it's known for like tumbleweeds and like the the sandstorms and stuff. So mm-hmm. it's a, it's a, if a sandstorm comes and it's like a snowfall, mm-hmm. it's going to close that pipe. Yeah. The rain, whatever, could clog that pipe. Right, right. Lots of things could. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's not it's not like set safe so. for her to, to stay functioning. But yeah, so that narrows his focus. So yeah, he get, climbs up on that weather vane um, with the uh, binoculars and is searching around. And he finally sees uh, the the pipe. And is she still kicking it? I can't remember. Does he see it? He sees yeah, it move. Sees, yeah, yeah, yeah but was it her right. kicking it or was it moving because it was loose from the thing? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Good That's question. why I wasn't sure. Yeah, I wasn't sure yeah. why that was moving. But he was, saw it moving and put it together. Yeah, put it together. And then he goes back into one of those, you know, outbuildings and breaks the window and gets a shovel and is digging, 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 digging. And I, I would like to know how much of how much he was digging in that scene. Like, Titus, yeah. you know, like how many times did they do it? How many guess digging is not easy. I mean, you no. get worn out digging fast, and he's trying to dig down to this, you know, this coffin. You've got that <laughs> whole adrenaline thing, too. Like, you know, they say where a mom can lift a car off her child, you know, or something. So, he, well, you he think he pulled the coffin out of the ground like the Hulk? <laughs> no, I think he shoveled <laughs> fast. I think he shoveled fast, and then he had the strength to, to level it open with the shovel to, to okay. open the cover. But yeah, so he pulls her out and and she's very weak, you know, he must have felt for a pulse right away or whatever, because, you know, he says, I got you, I got you and holding her in his arms. And, you know, we know she's going to be okay. But man, she looked she was floppy, you know, I mean, Mm -hmm. she had so and then you see um, honey tearing up and she gives them time together. But then they all, you know, sort of embrace and it's it's i mean you guys are you guys are pretty emotional you're open about how this show moves you i mean how how much well, did I it cried. get to you i cried yeah yeah <laughs> i mean cuz you felt for both bosh maddie honey i mean everybody yeah yeah you know you felt for the it's because she's was able to be found you know type right. of thing Right, and the way he was trying to comfort her, you know, it's like you're okay, you're okay, you're okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Him trying to convince himself he's okay, or is it him trying to you tell know, him okay, he's but, okay, but, like he's gonna yeah. be okay? Yeah, very emotional, very, very mm-hmm. emotional, very, very well done. So yeah, it de- definitely moved me in a big way as well. I was and so th- confused. Why were you confused? Because I knew she was gonna survive, and they were gonna find her. But I didn't know that they were going to find her so quickly. And I thought they were going to be like, this was going to be like half a season. If you guys listen to our Lincoln Lawyer podcast at all, I always try to foresee the next thing that's going to happen. So for me, I'm like, oh, okay, two episodes into the Bosch season now. And all my mysteries are solved. Is the season over? Like, what's going to happen? Like, is season three going to be, I mean, is episode three just going to be like some, like, crazy stuff happening like off the bat like boom 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 now because this seems like it's pretty much wrapped up like or, right all 
Orvin Bakker is going to go away. Yeah. Right. He's going to get in trouble now. There's no more deal. Mm-hmm. Maddie's free. She's going to recover, hopefully, mm-hmm. you know, and be fine and go back to her job. Yeah. So what now? Well, That's why I, I was confused. <laughs> I, I think the, the producers wanted to do that or needed to do that for the fans because, you know, that was a tough cliffhanger. People were, you know, mm-hmm. not thrilled <laughs> about that. So I think they felt like they owed it to them to go ahead and um, wrap that up. And, you know, they kept saying in some of the interviews and stuff, it'll be wrapped up pretty quickly, you know. Yep. So I, I was expecting it. But yeah, then you do, you are wondering, okay, what's the rest of the season going to be about? And like some of the things you brought up as well, Pete, or any of the actions that Bosch has taken or anything that transpired in the search going to also come up later in the season. There are still things that could. Yeah. Is is episode three going to be a trial where Maddie has to testify against this guy and then Bosch has to testify and he's like, well, he's been like, and then, you know, is the video going to come into play and this guy going to get free and then. Right. Yeah, there's still, there's still questions. I think we I think we just need to sigh a, a breath of relief that 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 she's okay and that yeah. they found her. But yeah, you have to wonder what else might come from this piece of the story. And then what do we have coming forward? Which, you know, we know it's based on the crossing. So if you've read that book, you, you have a good idea of what's what's coming ahead. But there's there's definitely another couple of big stories uh coming ahead. So uh we do see her, you know, in the hospital. Um, Harry puts the bracelet back on her. That's pretty emotional too. And because, uh, you know, she's not able to wear that as a, you know, as a patrol officer, but he, he, um, he puts that on her. Jerry's checking on her, um, but she's going to be okay. She's dehydrated and all, but she's, she's going to be okay. And it's, it's kind of um, nice when um, they bring up, you know, everybody counts or nobody counts, but family counts a little more, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, well, one of the notes I wrote down too, is when Edgar first stops by the room there, uh-huh. Bosch, Bosch looks up and kind of nods a thanks to yeah for sure Edgar. Yeah. I don't oh, know yeah, if you guys thought of that too or not, but I did, I did, and and you're, it, it it was a thank you because if he hadn't helped keep him in line to some degree, this thing mm. could have gone off the rails completely and just you know been a disaster. Yeah. You know, cost Maddie her life. Yeah, yeah it could have cost her her life. And then we we do get to see her leaving the hospital, and Sam brings Coltrane. She's really happy to see him, and that's you know that's the first time we've seen her smile, obviously, in this episode. But it it was mm-hmm. nice to see her smile after all this trauma, you know. Yes. So, and that's where I we did close like out. The, I like the line where she says that she's uh, or Bosch asks her if she's hungry, and Maddie just says she wants to take a shower and crawl into a bed for crawl into bed for a week type. Of yeah. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you didn't get enough sleep when you're drugged up. For- <laughs> Sorry. You want to have some peaceful sleep, man. Some peaceful yeah. sleep. <laughs> so any big questions that you have that we haven't uh, already addressed when we're talking about the episode? I did save a question here, actually. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I was going to ask before, but I figured I'll wait till the end of the episode because it's kind of interesting. It's very um personal for people. <clears throat> so... In the beginning of the episode, Bosch is talking to um, Jagger. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's telling him, you know, you got to get me in there. And he's like, you know, we can't do that. How's this going to play out? You know, and he's like, well, this is Maddie and blah, blah, blah. Now, if you're Jagger, you're in a very interesting spot. Because, A, your job's at jeopardy, but I'm pretty sure if you don't do something that helps find, you know, Maddie, then, you know, who cares about your job? You'll feel guilty forever. Yeah. So, you know, it, would you risk your career for Maddie? 
if she if you were in Jay Edgar's position and she was as close to you as Maddie is to Jay Edgar? I think I the know. thing is for me, I think Jay Edgar, he has the the benefit of of being a little more clear headed than Harry. I mean, Maddie is like family to him, but he's still a little more clear headed than Harry is. And so he can kind of have that, he's trying to navigate that balance of protocol and the way things should be done with his intense emotional effort to, to get this solved. So, I mean, at some point, would he ultimately risk his career if, if he really thought it could save her? Yeah, I agree with Mike, probably so. But I don't think we have to really go there because, like I said, he has that benefit of kind of thinking about, I mean, he's the... He's the balance for Harry. And well, the question thing. was, would he? The question is, would you? Oh, would, would I? Would I you walk that moral line? Or would you say, listen, if you can get Maddie back by meeting this guy in the room, I'm going to let you in and let you do what you got to do and, and, and cut his finger off to get your daughter back. And who cares if he walks free? He ain't going to do anything. We'll kill him again. I don't know. <laughs> we'll go get him again, right? Like, think about it. Like, <laughs> I'm just saying, like, would you or would you not? Because he's put in a very interesting spot. And it's really yeah. hard because once Shay Edgar allows him to walk through that door, Jagger's career is over. Yeah, yeah. But but when it got personal for Jay Egger in the past, he kind of worked outside the lines himself and didn't mm-hmm. keep himself composed either. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that's true. So that's why I said, would you be able to keep composure or would you be like, you know, that's like my daughter too. Let's go do whatever it takes, whatever you think. Oh, I'm here. keep composure. Yeah. I, I thought I, I would have done it exactly how Edgar did it, you know, trying to trying to stay on the right side of the law and try to keep Harry as, you know, as calm and collected as possible. If I, I to cross that line, I probably wouldn't have been able to do that either. You know, I keep misunderstanding yeah. what's who we are in this scenario. Are we Edgar or Bosch? Edgar, Edgar. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. you'd be you Tracy and he'd be Mike. Like, well, yeah. right. But, your, but Like with your, your family. Yeah. But yeah, we'd be the RHD detective. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Now I, I, I kind of on the same page with mike i think think it'd be really tough i think it'd be really tough because like i said if i'm jay edgar and if bosh you know going and having five minutes with this guy could possibly get you know maddie who's like a daughter to me a -hmm. niece to me free or at least the location solved i might leave the back door open for my friend but But there's no guarantee there's no guarantee i I know that i know that and that's why i asked the question not has you know edgar or bosh but has tracy mike and pete because tracy and mike keep the composure and say oh no let's not make this worse than it is and here i am like a clown like (laughs) you know making it 10 times worse thinking i'm doing it better pete just opens the door go get them you know but would you like two pens for both eyes you want two pens Oh man, yeah, yeah. Because I'm with you, Mike. You got to think if this this d- doesn't necessarily get you the information you want. It yes, it's not guaranteed. You. It's a gamble. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Those are that's a tough, a tough question. Which I mean, that's what's compelling about the show. It, it does it addresses a lot of tough questions and tough scenarios, and you try to imagine how you would be in those situations. Yes. So, mm-hmm. Mike, did you have any other questions that we want to think about? Uh kind of reiterate what pete said you know do you think the actions of harry is going to come back to haunt him later on the season or yes <laughs> yeah yes. Then, uh, i had one where it's like you know i was hoping to see more of crate and barrel as not just somebody to follow rafferty but you know i wish they 
Do you guys think that Creighton Barrel could have been involved more than just being uh, following a lawyer around where maybe they could have helped, you know, go out to the desert to find Maddie type of thing too? Well, Barrel would have had to worn his hat because he can't, oh, you know, because of the sun. So he's just got a lot more things to think about if he's going to go out in the desert and the elements. Well, so you know what? That might I'm not be your best choice. I'm going to extend exactly what Mike just said. Okay, Creighton Bauer, yes, you should have been. When you knew you had a three-square-mile radius in that desert, you should have been on your way there, whether you're driving or in a chopper or whatever way you got to do it, you got to do it. On top of that, where's the rest of your crew? Gosh, yeah. <laughs> now you kind of know where Maddie might be. This is yeah. when you call Pierce and um, Roberts and, you know, you get on all those cops that you saw in front of the house when she was kidnapped should all, all right. be on their way to that area. Interesting. That's question. all I'm saying, because if you were all there when she was kidnapped and now you knew where she is, why are you all there where she is? That's all I'm saying. Well, does J. Edgar even know where Harry is at the at the time? He knows where he's going. Okay. Because he says I need a chopper. He says he's gonna be a four hour drive or whatever, which wouldn't have been enough time. Right, right. And so the chopper only hold but so many people. But you're right, the police has choppers and there there are resources. FBI. But, yeah. Well, but right you got, wrong? you're you're not you're not wrong but i, I get it it's a tv show and it got more TV personal show. this way yeah but what i'm saying yeah. is is you get off your butt and you find that dog yeah yeah <laughs> yeah one of the lines i put in there is like all all hands should have been on deck you know at that point look how many yeah. cop cars were there when she was missing now they know where yeah. she might be there should have been double the amount of cars there should have yeah. been cars from upstate yeah. coming down Calling the military, all, yeah, all yeah, yeah. Where, where is your specialist? The the Marines would could have just dropped out of airplanes, parachuted down, made a yeah. grid. But we needed that drama, and we needed Harry to be the the, one. the hero and the one. Yeah, yeah. But I, I hear you, man. As the audience, it is easy to think about those things. Well, why wouldn't they have done this or that? But um, yeah, de definitely very, very compelling. Let's let's just talk for a minute about how this all panned out. Like, you know, we had our predictions and I, I thought at one point that maybe even Maddie had taken Doc Wilder, like she tried to abduct her and then she got the, you know, the jump on him and, you know, had him trapped somewhere and they were going to, you know, find her holding him and, you know, take him in. And that didn't turn out to be the case. But just how do you feel in general about how they resolved this? You know, it was a, a big cliffhanger mm -hmm. and it's now resolved to as much degree as we can tell she is alive they found her what do you think about the story of, of her being kidnapped and that being trying to use that as a leverage to get immunity and stuff do you i mean i never i never would have thought of that scenario when i was trying to figure out what could have happened i think the 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 line i wrote not line but the uh the note i wrote down for myself was about doc weiler saying Let's see here. When Doc Weiler says that uh, it would be on the police if Maddie were to, to die, mm -hmm. I, I put down there, what a piece of crap this guy is. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, uh, yeah, he, he made sure she had enough air and water, apparently, mm -hmm. if they had mm -hmm. found her in time. But mm -hmm. how can he be so smug to to say a line like that where he's the one that put her in the ground? Yeah. So, yeah. But how, how, how it resolved, I'm like Pete said earlier, it's like, 
Bosch is really going over the line a lot in this episode. Mm -hmm. So I was just, I'm just hoping nothing is going to bite him in the butt, you know, later on type. Yeah. Of thing. So, yeah. It kept us on our toes for sure. Cause we were oh, nervous. Absolutely. You have that whole nervousness and anxiety about how Bosch is going to act. Is he going to totally cross the line and screw things up? Or um, is it going to impact the, the investigation and finding her? So, so yeah, you've got that tension, you know, and, the, and, and then, of course, you just got the general tension of finding her in time. But I thought that was really clever to 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 say what happened to her and why she was taken and not mm -hmm. raped. You know, she was different from his other victims. Like, yeah. and and so, what was the reason for her being different? And it, it it made sense for this psychopath to try to use that because she was an officer and try to use that as leverage, you mm -hmm. know, with with the DA and and with law enforcement and everything. So. I thought it was really creative. Yep, I agree. Very well done. <laughs> about you, Pete? This guy is scumming deserves to die. <laughs> he probably well, will. He probably yeah, will. One way or the other. No, but like soon. Like episode three, the <laughs> opening scene should just be him like... <laughs> and that's it. It's gone. Pete's ready. He's ready. <laughs> All right. I mean, persons of interest uh, for this episode, there's just, I think, too many to, to try yeah, to even everyone. say... Yeah, it's, it, this is a everyone. collective effort. This was a collective effort for sure. Well, other than Rico Perez or whatever, I hate him. A person yeah. of uninterest, and it's Rico right there. <laughs> a person <laughs> of uninterest. <laughs> well, he yeah. can't be. He can't be but so interested when he's on the clock, Mike. You know. Apparently, <laughs> Listen, apparently. it was. Yeah, it was pretty simple. I mean, we. I think we can all agree. Coltrane uh, on the episode. I mean, that's usually a safe answer. Yes, sure. that's mine. He's the one who got her to smile. She probably had yes. not smiled yet in that hospital. In and my train. answer for the 75th consecutive podcast, who owns the episode? Coltrane. Coltrane. <laughs> and I know we give all the boyfriends, you know, a hard time, but it's not just Tom. Talking. Not Tom. Okay. Well, you, you, not Tom. I, but it's fun. It's well, Jay's not here. here. I know. Yeah. It, was, it wasn't Antonio for me, and uh, Tom was decent. Uh -huh. For season five, you know, but there wasn't, I didn't really see the chemistry there between the two characters like I did with Antonio. So uh -huh. I know but Pete wasn't a fan. I know Pete, you weren't Tom a fan. Tom and Maddie were almost like a real marriage that would have been successful because they were good partners. They knew how to understand each other. Even though there wasn't chemistry, like, oh my God, I love you so much. And he's loving you. They could have made it work. Okay. A lot, of people, a lot of people get along very well, they don't necessarily have the lust or the passion for each other and the chemistry. Because they work well together in a relationship, they decided they can, you know, take on a financial burden like a kid or a house or a car and matrimony, and it works because you know at the end of the day, you're not sitting next to the person you care about how they look. You sit next to the person you care about how they make you feel inside at all times, no matter what. But you said you think they could make it work. Anyway, they could have, they, they could have, but not anymore because time is gone into the stranger world. But uh, yeah. <laughs> But it's just it's just too fun. It's just too tempting not to to mess with the with the boyfriends. So we do have fun with that. But do we have any trivia from you gentlemen? I have one. I think is going to be answered by Mike, but maybe not. I'll start it up. Okay. Yes. So when you look at Orville Redenbacher's um history, when um Bosch is looking at that file and had his foster parents and had a foster address of where he grew up when he moved into the foster house. What was what was the name of the address? What was his address? 
Grace, you go first because I know the answer. <laughs> I as I said, I'm pretty sure Mike got this one. The street address? Yes. Oh, I don't have the street. Was it was it in Bakersfield? No. Uh, no. Okay, then I got nothing. I, I put down the answer just in case because I, <laughs> I I put down I, as a potential question the parents' names, but there was 902 Meyer Street in Arvin, California, nine three two zero three. Wow. Yes, very good. Okay, hold on. I do have a follow-up question in case Mike got this really quick. A question that I, you guys might not have necessarily looked out for. So when Honey Chandler goes to the bar to talk to Mr. Rafferty, he's drinking his drink. During that whole scene of the back and forth from the start to the time he walks back to his room, how many sips of that drink does he take? I'll say four. Crazy. Maybe just one. Interesting. It's two. Okay, oh, in between. Nice. Okay. You know, I'm watching the scene, and it seemed like he took like three or four sips, and I'm like, wow. I'm like, why does it seem like so much? I rewound it and rewatched it. I'm like, he only took a couple of sips, but it seemed like he was drinking that thing for a long time talking. Yeah. Hmm. So I said, let me throw it out there just in case Mike has the address written down. Yeah. <laughs> and just here in, we are. Just in case. Do you I have figured, any, Mike? I figured I'd be prepared, yes. So I do have okay. a question that that wasn't answered in the podcast so i come up with a few of them just in case mm -hmm. if any answers are thrown out so obviously the, the name before it was changed was there the uh name of the cult so i figured i'd throw out one more uh which hospital was maddie getting care at at the end of the episode i do have it i do have that in my notes nice I, there I, you go, I feel bad looking at my notes but i mean that was me thinking this could be trivia riverside memorial medical center yeah that's my answer too yeah, <laughs> that's my answer too. That's what I had written down too, guys. Yeah, I want to just have one page. You're catching, in my notes. Of, you're catching on to the trivia stuff. I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying to get into you guys' head, which can be a little scary, but I'm trying. Yeah, so. don't stay too long there. Yeah, don't stay too long with that visit. They'll give you <laughs> nightmares Listen, like that scorpion in the box. <laughs> I'm going to tell our viewers a secret. Okay, I have trivia for almost every episode that we do. I don't think I've answered a trivia question since like 2019. Okay, <laughs> I have not got. Ironically, I make the trivia, but I haven't answered one right in oh. like four years. It's crazy. That's good. <laughs> good of you to be honest about that. That's true. That is true. <laughs> right? Think, I never answer them right. I always just make some stupid guess and, and I, make a joke about it and laugh. <laughs> right. I never focus on that. I focus on your questions, not whether yes. you're getting them right for other ones. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, I never get them right. I just make make them up so that's like seems like I know stuff. <laughs> yeah, still fun yeah no exactly yeah we did get some feedback from people on the bosch pit and on facebook messenger if you're interested in listening to some of them awesome we had, uh, one of our listeners or viewers and bosch pit members had posted a question to me on facebook messenger and i wanted to bring this up because i was curious what other people were thinking about this scene as well so she messaged me saying at the time she couldn't post this question to the bosch pit because of this boiler rule <laughs> But she asked me via messenger, when Harry held the pen to Doc Weiler's eye, did you have a flashback to the pencil in the ear from season four of the original show? Um, it just wasn't uh, or wasn't just a similar threat to the perpetrator, but the rage of Harry and the detectives in season four in her eyes. Mm. Uh, the close up of Harry and Doc Weiler made all the emotions palpable. I thought, in other words, job well done by one and all. Mm -hmm. So I was curious how, how you thought about that. Yeah. If you had the same feeling. I did not. I did not think of that, but I can certainly see how she would. That's that's very, very interesting. Yeah. The first thing that comes to mind is like, we know that he's guilty 
And so I don't mind as much. Yeah, I don't mind really that Harry's yeah. doing that. You know, I don't want Harry to poke him in the eye because then Harry would get in trouble and, you know, go down that road. But this is a bad guy. But we, you know, we also, but we knew in the other situation that that guy was innocent. And yes. or at least I think we knew. I think, yeah, yeah, we did. We knew he was innocent. Yeah, we knew he, we knew he was, well, actually we didn't know until the, until uh, the video at the end of season four. Right. Okay. Because all they knew is that he was, su oh, wait, no. Yeah, I think you're right. We did know because uh, during Basha and Honey's interview with Michael uh -huh. Harris, they yeah. said that the guy's father was the one that dumped the body. So, yes, we knew at that time, even in the beginning of episode four, he was innocent. So, yeah, you're right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. yeah. So that, that definitely changes how I think about it. But the idea of a, you know, a sharp cylindrical object like that I, I did not make that connection but that is interesting but yeah i feel differently about them because that one was very upsetting with michael harris the idea of if that happening and then with bosch the only thing that would really be upsetting is if bosch got in trouble you know yeah exactly so. <laughs> he can't get in trouble because then he's going to be taken away from his daughter working his daughter's case i forgot oh, yeah. to mention this was also was posed to me by sue k um so i did respond back to her saying that i didn't have a flashback to the pencil from season four i more felt for bosh in this moment and didn't know if he'd go all the way with stabbing doc Wilder in the eyes or not but mm -hmm. I kind of see your point there. It's like the, uh, you know, this guy's guilty. You know, he's taken Maddie and, you know, Bosch should do everything to try to figure out where he took her. Yeah. I mean, the, um, so the, the um, nope. I was, was, was going to say, yeah, the, in both cases, the reasoning is the same. You're trying to extract information from someone, yes. you know, and it, it is that a similar type object. Ooh. Uh, and eyes and ears are both incredibly sensitive. It just gives me, the heebie-jeebies even thinking about it yes uh so she did message me back after that saying that she wasn't sure at first but felt deep down his moral compass would kick in and in parentheses and besides i didn't feel the writers would take him that deeply into the dark side <laughs> now had maddie died that'd be a different story but again felt mm -hmm. felt her character too bit too pivotal to kill off I yeah. uh, was applauding when J. Edgar called Dick Weiler. Yes, a purposeful, purposeful typo. What's <laughs> in here? Crazy. Um, see that, uh, and I'll finish this one up, and then I'll kind of get into that a little bit. It was uh, so great to see and all the band back together again, type of thing in those first four episodes. Yeah. Um, we did have some conversations on uh, on a chat room that I created through Messenger through the Bosch Pit was uh you know somebody was kind of saying what did doc wilder think he was going to gain by this and mm -hmm. stuff like that and i kind of brought up the edgar line from season one when he's talking about reynard waits you know that you yeah. know crazy's crazy with with serial killers you know you never mm -hmm. know you could profile these serial guys until kingdom come and you won't know what's you know ticking behind the wheel crazy's crazy yeah so i kind of posted that you know in there this morning when we were kind of chatting about the first four episodes so yeah i mean so we, we i got some more feedback in that chat room um if you want to hear some more sure what kinds of things were they saying a lot of good feedback a lot of good feedback not i don't think we had any negative feedback i mean <clears throat> at least in the chat room uh bosh pit it was mainly good too i mean everybody's enjoying those first two episodes especially the mm -hmm. acting 
Uh, we had a, I had somebody f uh, named Jan L. She uh, says, watched them all yesterday and starting the rewatch today. Good job. Mm, there you go. Uh, Pettis just keeps getting better. And Maddie really pulled out all the stops in that box. Incredible acting. For sure. I have to agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> Penelope on the chat room said, love seeing Harry back and back in his beautiful hillside home too. Mm -hmm. Watched all four episodes twice. Can't wait for the next two. Welcome back. And an ex exclamation point. Let's see here. We had a response from John saying, I watched the first four episodes. Michael Conley is such a good crime writer. And Titus Welliver is amazing. I'll wind up rewatching them as I always miss a little, uh, miss little things that I catch in the second viewing. Every exactly. The, every bit as good as the Harry Bosch novels. See, that's why I try to target some of the trivia for people that either watched it once or twice or the people that just continuously watch them through. Right. Uh, I got a response from Rick. <clears throat> goes i thought i would lose it with the scenes of maddie in the box i had to keep telling myself rick the geographer <laughs> and the sound man are in there with her it's only a tv show <laughs> and then on top of that whose bright idea was it to add the scorpion <laughs> next time i run through it i might just skip over that part <sighs> i got a kick out of her using her bra underwire to slip the cuffs i remember that from a friend's episode where they used an underwire to slip the lock on phoebe's grandmother's taxi when they were locked out <laughs> I've only watched Friends once through, so I I have I can't remember what season that would be, but yeah. So I I just like this guy's response. It's like you know he's telling himself she's not by herself right. in the box. There's right. a camera person or whatever. In yeah, there. he's talking it through. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> so, it's but hey, we're, we're with you on that one. I I know yeah. that you, Tracy. You say mm -hmm. you're claustrophobic. Yes. I probably wouldn't do do well in a in a box the size of a coffin. Got a response from Nick saying Titus's acting in the first two episodes was just outstanding. You can feel his anguish, fearing Maddie is dead, and Maddie's no slouch either. She was convincing when she was realized, or no, sorry, she was convincing when she realized where she was being kept. And then um, that was it from the chat room. At least that's all I pulled out of there. I can't, mm -hmm. I can okay. do a whole podcast by itself on feedback from, from <laughs> yeah. the Bosch pit in general. Um, so we, we, the, both of us got some, uh, feedback from our friend Valerie. Yeah. Um, so she was saying the whole time Maddie was in that coffin made me feel claustrophobic and I was only watching from the comfort of my own couch. <laughs> <laughs> I think we both agreed with her on that. Yeah. One. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there was two other ones that she had sent to, she goes, you know how she scratched EDW on the coffin as a clue for Harry. It made me wonder what kind of clue I might leave for someone to find me and if anyone would ever figure out my clue. I couldn't come uh, up with anything. Guess I'm screwed if I ever get kidnapped. <laughs> <laughs> and she has laughy face emojis with it too. So yeah. Um, and then the uh and then the last one that she sent to us was I know or I want to know how she supposedly fitted into that suitcase though. Oh, I have a yeah. large trolley bag like that from my stand-up paddle board. Which looked like a uh, looked a similar size to what Doc Weiler had, but you'd have to be a contortionist to fit in there. And Madison is so tall, I had to suspend my disbelief for that one. So, so also I wanted to kind of talk about that myself. I had I had the extreme pleasure of going to a theater to watch those first two episodes during the premiere this past week. Yeah. Um, at first there wasn't there wasn't a theater in, anywhere in Minnesota, but then mm -hmm. a week later my wife got an email. 
she calls me up. She says, yeah, there's a theater, you know, in Oakdale, which isn't far from where we live. And I'm like, yes, get two tickets, please. I'll take Richie. <laughs> <laughs> so before, before the viewing of the show, some people kind of recognized me, asked me if I was Mike, mm-hmm. you know, and then said that they liked the group. I, I promoted the Bosch pit, promoted so many shows. Nice. Um, but it was so fun watching on the big screen. I wish the whole season would be released yeah. like that. Yeah. I mean, just like my the watch parties I sometimes host. Obviously, I'm not doing watch parties leading up to this because the actor strike, writer strike, busy with everything. But it, it would be so cool to do it the full season in a in a theater. You know, oh, it, yeah. would be, it would be awesome to try to do that. I was curious. Yeah. Um, in the theater, I I didn't get to go to one, but it, did people react a lot during the show, or did they clap at certain parts? Like, how active were people in during the the the? I think people show? are kind of on their edge of their seats. I wasn't trying okay. to pay attention to them. I was kind of watching yeah. the screen. <laughs> obviously, course. I'm glued to the edge of my seat too. But uh, yeah, so she did. Uh, or the, so yeah, we had a great great time at the theater you know my awesome. my uh, youngest was with me you know it's like we would talked about this in episode one so it's not a spoiler because uh so when doc weiler comes up and grabs maddie from the behind mm-hmm. i mean i could see people in the theater kind of jumping at that scene because it's like i mean it's kind of fast you know maddie's just taking off her coat or whatever taking off rings yeah all of a sudden doc was behind her trying to put the oh, chloroform I- yeah, I got to yeah. tell you, I jump every time I watch it. I've watched it multiple times and yes. every time because she's the only one in the screen. And then you just don't know when he's, you know, he's coming, but you don't know when. And it just scares me every time, you know, because I'm just anticipating. Mm-hmm. But you just, it's not like you see him coming up. It's just, boom, he's there. And yeah. ugh, it's awful. Exactly. So one of the things that uh, I saw some people got and I, did, I didn't, we didn't get them that I know of. But okay. some people were getting bookmarks at the at their premiere. Got one. Um, um, you can always email us, Bosch at so many shows.com. And we did receive some feedback there. Because there's yeah, like they said, there's many different ways to get to us to send your feedback. Okay, we got um an email from Inez M. Watch this is about Maddie. She said, watching her brooding stare into the dark depths over and over is just not entertaining to me. The episodes seem to focus on her as much as Bosch. I'm tired of Maddie. She continues to put herself in harm's way unnecessarily, and Bosch continues to obsess over her, which is justified because she's behaving as he does without the experience and skill he has to save himself. Most of the time, stick to the Conley storylines, please. Ouch. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, we always say everybody's opinion counts or nobody's opinion counts, so we welcome all the feedback, you know. So even if we don't agree or, or think that it's harsh, we, you know, we want you to share how you're feeling. And, you know, you do have to think about art is dependent on the person. You may not like the same piece of art that I like, you know, or whatever. Different yeah. things appeal to different people. But I, a couple of things did come to mind for me with this is that I, I would expect to be have as much Maddie as we do Bosch. And I would expect to have as much Maddie, as much as as much Bosch, as as much Honey, because it's an ensemble show now, the spinoff. And so my understanding is the three of them are supposed to have, you know, essentially equal, you know, screen slash story time. So that that part, you know, doesn't bother me. I feel like that's the way it's, you know, intended to be. And then as you know, just regarding stick to the Conley storylines, I'm 
believe that Maddie is in crew in the latest Conley books, like in the yeah, Renee so. Ballard series. So she's definitely a police officer, and I think she's even in the in the crew group, right? Or some think? kind of variation. Yeah. Yes, it's a, a crime reduction. You yeah. Know, don't know if they refer to his crew on the in the book. I've but a similar to... type thing, yeah. 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 So you know, the, I, I, so that would be sticking to a you know a Conley storyline, but um, yeah, I you know everyone has their you know opinion. So we we totally appreciate you writing in, Inez. It's funny how Bosch and Maddie and even Eleanor were not super talkative. That you know they don't say they don't say stuff they don't need to say. You know I think you do see a lot from them by what's on their face or sometimes yeah. you know it, look how many times Harry sits out stands out on stands out on his deck and stares. You know that's kind of his thing. You know so I don't know. Like I said, to, to each his own. I, I hope that the season will be pleasing to everyone, regardless. So, did did you have any thoughts on that feedback? I kind of, I kind of have that same kind of opinion. You know, it's like we see Bosch standing on his deck, brooding all the time. You see the inner workings of, mm-hmm. of, of their minds kind of going at to work with cer- certain things, and especially in episode three, where Maddie kind of just goes goes on this bracelet caper case to figure out you know who yeah. had stolen it i mean yeah she or, or like the uh, other detective said you know get off your ass and go knock on doors mm-hmm. you know so she's like i can do that and he did and i've i've been enjoying the storylines for maddie i mean mm-hmm. i think i think even conley or henrik has probably said in the past where they kind of brought her in on on season one she was she didn't have many credits to her name back and stuff like that. So she was fairly unknown as an actress. But she's really grown, I think, not only into this character, mm-hmm. but into the role. And and I mean, just especially in this in these first four episodes, I mean, I could not imagine being in a in a coffin for even filming purposes wise. I mean, yeah, yeah. It's like so all the all the, the depths and the What's the word I'm looking for? Just the endeavor she's taking on as an actress. And like the commitment to, to the whole thing. Yeah. Um, I mean, she's committed to the role and I think she's been nailing it, especially this season, mm-hmm. you know, especially in episode one. I think when we interviewed Tom Bernardo, he said that was mainly what 90, 95% Maddie, you know, fight, trying to fight off Doc Weiler, you know, so she's taking all these leaps as an actress and, mm-hmm. and it's also been, you know, she's taking all these leaps as an actress, so it's showing in her work. Yeah. Um, especially in ba- in Bosch and Bosch Legacy. So especially what was it uh before season one, she she had put on like 15 pounds of muscle. Mm-hmm. You know, wanted to make sure that she could kind of fill in the role as a police officer, make it believable. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I I like you said, everybody's got an opinion. So but I've I've just enjoyed watching Madison you know, become Maddie, you know, in the, mm-hmm. in the show. So, well, yes, we appreciate everyone sharing and that's, you know, that's what makes it fun because we can um, swap our ideas and, and share our thoughts and um, talk it through. So yeah. I think that's about it for the, the tip line for the first couple of episodes. Um, yes. As we hear from folks, we will include it in each podcast and hope you'll reach out to us. The email address is bosch at so many shows.com, or you can do a direct message from 
at Bosch Everybody. And then like Mike mentioned, the, the Bosch Fit face group you know, has a messenger feature. Um, just, you know, any any way that other way that you might know of to reach out is great as well. Um, please, you know, let us know what you're thinking. That's sure. that's part of the, you know, a big part of the fun of the podcast and of the show is swapping theories and, and uh, opinions with each other. So, well, I think that's it for us tonight for this episode. We got some resolution, some open questions. Uh, or con- were in few worries, concerns, maybe about how. This yeah, but now we have to wait, right, for the next episode. We can't just go watch no, it. No, no, we we have four, so. Yep, four dropped already. Four, four dropped on the twentieth. Oh, I thought it was two. It I, we that was first announced, but then it was changed. So yes. you're saying that I could actually go back and watch episode three right now? Yes, you can. Yes, yes. Oh yeah, well, then I know what I'm four. doing for the rest of today. <laughs> I'll see you guys later. <laughs> Three and four. Yeah, yes. right. But uh, yeah, so good stuff. Please stay tuned to hear what Tom has to share. Um, pretty exciting stuff. Uh, very, very insightful and interesting. All right, I'll stay for Tom, and then I'll go watch episode there three you or four. Go. All right, there I'll stay go. for yeah. the group. All there right, you go. stay for Tom. I mean, just because his name is his name is Tom. I, I hope mean, he explains these scorpions' breeding habits that they're gigantic. Yeah, yeah, we do have to find out about that for sure. All right, well, thanks everybody for hanging out, and uh, we'll be back for episode three. See ya. Bye. Bye. Moving on to episode two, Zizek's. I remember you sharing some fascinating details about Madison filming in the box and the scorpion. So I know the listeners are going to want to hear about that too. So whatever you might want to share about how that worked and it was a real scorpion. It was a real scorpion. And, um, and Madison, we, we built that, that box. There are so many different meetings that go into it, right? So there's coming up with that idea and then coming up with what is the drama inside this box? Because, we felt it very important that the character be an agent in her own rescue in some way, you mm-hmm. know, that she wasn't just passive, even though look at the predicament she's in. Yeah, He's been buried essentially alive. Now he's given her a little breathing tube to hope in the hopes of keeping her alive for his own bargaining purposes. Right. He's handcuffed her, left her with nothing but uh, a bottle of water. And she's sort of out in the middle of the Mojave desert. <laughs> So we talked through all the different ways that we could put, put obstacles in that box for her. The biggest mm-hmm. one being, of course, the psychological and emotional survival. Yeah. And and Madison, we get inside her head a little bit, which was important. It's it's what ultimately helps her recall a, a very important detail right before she was drugged with the passing of that jet fighter. Once she's able mm-hmm. to summon that, it's almost like you're watching an athlete get hit, get hit. And then suddenly they're fighting back. They found right. that, that path back into a moment. And um, that's kind of that moment that it always moves me when that moment, cause it was edited really, really well. Mm-hmm. And her eyes open up when she's got that thought, you know, Oh, here we go. Yeah. So the fact that she was able to take those handcuffs off and turn around and, and she knows there's a camera on her and she's hoping that there's someone who sees this and she's able to carve those initials that help maybe, sort of you know identify her location or near right. where she is. but to the production of it so there's coming up with that idea and then there's all the different teams or production designer who looks at this and says well, okay well we have to build this box mm-hmm. we have to build it in a way that's believable 
And then we have to build it in a way that when we film this on stage, it allows us to film it from different angles yeah. and capture that sense of claustrophobia, et cetera. So that was another discussion with Madison because you don't want to just have the actor show up and stick her in a box all day. Yeah. <laughs> she was game. And um, we used uh, uh, her body double for certain parts of like her hands so that we could more efficiently film this because we we're okay. her and the, and the, and the performance of that all, but we wanted mm -hmm. to, be able to cut to certain things that were her hands or her feet. So when we couldn't grab her, we have another box going with like another camera that's capturing those little moments that we can stitch into the scene and make it look all seamless. Yeah. But it was a discussion with, with Madison because there's we wanted an arc to her performance in that it's not just one emotional note she's playing the whole time. It's the realization. It's the cries, the feeling of futility that comes out, the sense that, oh, my God, I might die. Then mm -hmm. I need to do something about this. Then I have my handcuffs. Then I have a scorpion. Then I, in in killing the scorpion, I cut off my air supply. I don't know if anyone's going to find me. So we talked through these beats and we mm -hmm. mapped them out as writer and with our director and with the actor. And okay. then we just plant, we, we had storyboarded this again. So we knew Sherat knew how he was going to cover the scene in terms of what kind of angles. And he had it in his mind in terms of how he was going to cut it all and edit it all. Okay. We followed that map all the way through and, you know, you just check in with your actor all the way throughout. Here's where we are in it. You know, if we got to get a note in, she's right there, but we, we, we filmed it. She, that she was safe with the scorpion. It wasn't a scorpion that could kill her. It, the, the stinger had been I, you know, numbed that morning. Um, we made sure that she uh, came in before that day and got acquainted with, we had a scorpion wrangler. <laughs> Someone who's hired to handle all the scorpions. And she, he ended up in, in Madison, like I, Madison like befriended the scorpion. She had this uh, great relationship <laughs> with the scorpion. She was so game. I was like, get me out of here. There's no way you can get me in that box. There's no way you can put a scorpion on. And it was crawling up. And that wasn't CGI. That's not okay. you know, scorpion on the day performing what we needed to have performed, which is crawling up the arm, crawling up to her shoulder, onto her neck. And, and I remember watching it and the editor had added this little sort of sickly sound to yeah. the movements of it. And uh -huh. I'm watching it for the first time and I was like cringing. And yeah. thinking, oh gosh. So, and I knew this was going to happen and I'd seen it filmed. So I was like, just, I, I can't wait for people to see it. And I'll be yeah. if there is sort of, freaked out by it as as i was just watching it and, and and sort of you know seeing it performed live well all that planning definitely paid off and and having such a great sport like madison wow it just it, it worked yep. it worked for sure it's like a silent movie i've said because she's acting by herself in that box mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so her performance has to be strong enough that it can be read almost with the sound off yeah She's not acting against anyone. She's acting against her circumstances, the given circumstances right. that she's in. So mm -hmm. that speaks to how great she is, you know, and she she's just terrific. She carries all of that because if that doesn't work, there's no tension. You know, people aren't, don't care. They don't buy into the dramatic circumstances. Right. And and she she was just terrific. Mm -hmm. For sure. 
what kind of logistics are involved with securing a helicopter used for filming for episode two? That was a big deal again. And that actually was day one of filming. So after all this time, all the work, all the imagining and breaking a story and everything, it was exciting to be on top of a building in downtown LA and have a live helicopter. Mm -hmm. um, again, that's a, a sort of a testament to our team and committing to the story and trying to make it real because yeah. that, that logistically that's a big thing is to get that helicopter up there and have you know stunt doubles who are getting on and off and and our actors who are being near this thing and then and then to capture it taking off so that it feels a certain way when you watch the the show um mm -hmm. exact details of why we we picked that building i mean again it's about scouting a location that gives a certain visual feel in a a, a a a a visual landscape so it's thoughtfully picking out a place that also has, has a helipad right mm -hmm. and then you have to get you know the right people involved in terms of getting that helicopter there and and making sure we capture it visually the right way yeah mm -hmm. well someone posted pictures you know of, of you guys on set and you could just you could tell in your faces how excited everybody was about that about that helicopter it was cool it was great so. and i have to tell you when we were out in the desert filming I remember the moment it it came over the crest and and it's that moment that we capture as it flies right overhead. I yeah. remember being very emotional about seeing yeah. we did it. We we're we're making this thing. We yeah. like there's a certain scale to this these first two episodes that you know to pull that off production wise and to do it within budget and to do it on time and to do it in a way that conveys the emotional stakes and the magnitude mm -hmm. of this. I'm very proud of our team for doing that. But I remember that morning being out there and we did a couple takes and we had a lot of different ways we were going to cover that with a drone and on top of the helicopter as it lands and getting them out. But when that helicopter, it was very early in the morning because uh, we knew it was going to get hot. We got to get out there early. When that thing flew over, I would just, I got very emotional. I was like, I, yeah, sure. Hear these stories come to life and the commitment yeah. to it. And yeah. it's wonderful. Y'all took some big swings with production this year. It paid off. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, thank you for recognizing that. Our team really delivered. I think the viewers would love to hear some behind-the-scenes scoop on filming uh, the scene where Titus or where Harry threatens Doc Weiler. Uh, what kind of precautions did you have to take for safety? And who decided to use an RHD detective Baston for Harry's fake name on the phone call to the <laughs> station? Oh gosh, um, we broke these these ideas so long ago. So you're gonna have to forgive me. Some of it's a little That's okay. Now. That's but okay. I think you know, as we made our way into episode two, the sort of spirit of it is what is our man on fire moment? You know, it, mm -hmm. if you've ever seen that great Tony Scott film with Denzel Washington, the lengths yeah. that he goes to to try to save that little girl. What what is Bosch capable of doing in this situation? What can he do? And at the mm -hmm. same time, he's, he wants to be smart because he doesn't want to compromise an investigation that could just blow everything up and, and yeah. further, you know, lead to maybe lead to his daughter's death. So once he sort of found the way to, to get Doc Weiler into a room, he's like, I'm going to get information out of this guy. So, you know, we, we, we came up with this idea that he calls into Hollywood station, uh, poses as an RHD detective 
because Harry would know, okay, this is yeah. how I can get this guy in an interrogation room, mm-hmm. uh, in, in an interview room. This is how I have to sort of say it as an RHD detective. And then I have to find a way to slip in. And at this point, because in episode one, he had taken his daughter's card. He mm-hmm. then used yeah. it to good effect to make, he slip into his old haunting ground, <laughs> uh, which was interesting because this is a place that he had free reign of as a, as a detective, but now he has to slip in and hope no one notices him. Right. And uh, once he's able to get into that room, you know, that the, the trick was what could he do that you really believe if the wrong thing happens, he's going to try to end this guy, you know, right here and now. But he also wants to get this information out of him. And I, I think he actually would have gone further if not for Edgar coming in. Okay. Harry, remember her, remember your daughter. Cause if you step over a line now, mm-hmm. we're never, we may never find her. Yeah. Yep. So um, that was something we rehearsed because it's a little bit of a, it's, you know, a stunt. And you want mm-hmm. to make sure that Titus and David Denman are are care are careful and and are and feel safe. Mm-hmm. And uh, David Denman's just terrific. I mean, he was an amazing Rockweiler. Yeah. He was never physically hurt in any of those. But when I watched that, I was like, God, he knows how exactly how to perform that moment. How to look that, that yeah. his arm almost snapped and a and a and a pen to his eye. You know, so. Yeah. Um,